The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the moment in our day when we seek stillness in God's presence, guidance from the Word of God, and grace to live by faith. This is the moment when we view horizontal living from the divine perspective. For the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now here's today's message. We hope it will be a blessing. Welcome to Beside Still Waters. We are continuing in our meditations on uh, Blue Sky Chronicles. And today we're thinking about um, the experience of our Lord Jesus Christ walking among men. And most importantly, how does he draw people to himself? How does he draw men to himself? How does he change lives? Many of us want a significant, deeper experience with God. We do. We all do. Those of us who have embraced the faith and the tenets of, uh, of the scriptures and, and we see the lives of men and women that have been changed and transformed and they have become something other than what they used to be. And we ask ourselves, what truly makes the difference? Has the ways of God changed in terms of how he meets a man and breaks a man and then molds a man in order to use that man? Has his ways changed? Well, my friend, this podcast today is devoted to answering that question and giving you a uh, as it were, a handle, uh, a tool, truth that you can embrace with heart and mind and find a deeper walk with God. That's the objective uh, in succeeding podcasts, but definitely uh, in today's podcast. So we are looking at uh, the beginning of the Galilean ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Uh, We need to remind ourselves that this is the experience of God the Son walking on earth in a way that he had not before with uh, a certain degree of limitations on the expression of his deity. And so when a person wanted to connect with God, so to speak, God was local. They had to go where Jesus is. And so often we found that when they heard he was at a certain house or a certain place or perhaps out in the wilderness, the people flocked to him. Why? Because that's the only way they can touch and be touched by the Son of God. And so we have uh, our Lord Jesus returning from the uh, wilderness and he begins his Galilean ministry, and, and, and uh, three of the gospel writers certainly address it in, in fairly significant detail. Uh, Matthew, of course, said that um, when our Lord Jesus heard that John was delivered up or cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And uh, having left Nazareth, and, and we're going to look at what happened in Nazareth. So he went to Galilee, then went to Nazareth. And uh, we're going to see that the people rejected him and his ministry and calling. 
and he returned to the parts of Galilee. And so he dwelt in, uh, at Capernaum, which is on the seaside. And the scripture, scriptures tell us that uh, the borders of Zebulun and Naphtalim, uh, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, saying, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtalim, way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations, the people sitting in darkness have seen a great light, and to those sitting in the country and the shadow of death, to them, Light has sprung up, and we are told that from that time he began to say, Repent, for the kingdom of the heavens has drawn near. Kingdom of the heavens has drawn near. And so Matthew then goes into the account when he was walking by the sea, and, and you'll find this in the fourth uh, chapter of Matthew's gospel, that he, you know, he called the brothers, you know, sons of Zebedee. But it just didn't happen like that, you know, uh, when you put the entire picture together of the gospel writers, we see that they had been hearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, some of the, uh, the uh, initial, uh, well, Andrew, for example, was a disciple of John. And uh, we are told that, of course, he saw when uh, John the Baptist saw the Lord Jesus Christ after his baptism in his return from the uh, wilderness. He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. But I digress. The, the, the point here is God's kingdom has drawn near. And has God changed his ways when he wants to reach a man and change a man? So he tells the people two things, that they need, there needs to be repentance and a call to discipleship. He's urging people to turn, to turn back to God, to turn away from the things that are transient, to turn from the things that are empty, like chasing the wind, as Solomon said, and to come after me, after the Son of God, after eternal things, into a fellowship, a divinely uh, uh, energized and deepened relationship with God, not just a going to church, as it were, but a, uh, a daily awareness that I am walking with God and that I am indwelt by His Spirit, being led by His Spirit, being, as it were, strengthened by His Spirit. God hasn't changed His ways when He wants to reach men. What He does is challenges them, like He did Gideon. Called him a mighty man of valor when Gideon didn't feel like that, didn't see himself like that. But when he had an encounter with God, it changed him. Moses burning bush. It changed him. Joshua, when Moses left the tabernacle that was set up outside the camp and Moses returned to the camp and Joshua remained behind in the presence of Jehovah, all of these men had a personal encounter with the living God and you and I are no different. If you are seeking some way that your life, your walk, your uh, uh, experience of the presence and power of God in your life must be deepened. It is not going to be deepened until and unless you determine in your heart that you want to meet with God in his presence, his word open before you, beseeching him to speak to you. And so our Lord Jesus opens his ministry, appealing to men to repent. Why? For the kingdom of the heavens drew near in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son. 
So we see that when he, God is reaching men, the best way that he uses is by his works. Look at the Old Testament. He won them by his works. He spoke to men. He spoke to the nation by the works of the prophets and those that performed great miracles. He, as it were, won the hearts of the nation of Israel as Moses was sent in to be their deliverer. And he, as it were, destroyed Egypt by the rod of God in his hand and his willing submission to the workings of God in his life. And we learn, for example, in, in, in Luke's gospel that uh, the people not only learned by the works that our Lord Jesus was beginning to perform in his Galilean ministry, but that they heard rumors of him. They heard his teachings. They saw his signs. And so God is giving a witness of what he is able to do. And you and I today, my friends, we have the word of God, the testimony of the living God about his works of old, his judgments, his ways that are past finding out, but he's made them known to you and to me. And yet many of us seek uh, novel ways, as it were, to draw near to God or to find God when in fact he makes it plain and simple. If you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. All your heart. In fact, King Asa, I may have mentioned this in previous podcasts, was told by the seer when he uh, tried a different way to get deliverance by uh, going to Ben-Hadad. And God's plan was to capture Ben-Hadad, the Syrian king. And the seer said to him that the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. The man who is looking to God uh, exclusively to do a work in his heart and mind and to change him, to make himself or herself available to be changed by God. And to, to do so, if need be, with fasting, waiting on God until he does a work, a change in us. And so our Lord Jesus, uh, while starting his Galilean ministry, went back to Nazareth. And there we are told, for example, in, in chapter 4 of Luke's gospel, that he went into the synagogue and, and, and the uh, scrolls were handed to him. And uh, at the time when he returned, he was full of the Holy Spirit and he returned to the Jordan, and was, uh, you know, returned from the wilderness, I should say. And uh, when he opened the scroll to where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the glad tidings to the poor. He sent me to preach to captive deliverance and to the blind sight and to send forth the crushed or the oppressed deliverance. And so we see that he opens to these people in Nazareth, in the synagogue, where obviously they knew him. But what did he do? What did the son do? Well, he gave witness of himself, his person, 
what he would do, that the Spirit of God is upon him. And he is anointed, set apart, to preach good news, to deliver captives. Those who are blind would see and those who are oppressed would be delivered from oppression. And not only then in that ministry, but many of us, some even under the sound of my voice, that they lack joy in their Christian lives. Real joy. It's not dependent upon some uh, material blessing, but by the filling and presence of the Spirit of God and living in the center of God's will. Remember, the Lord Jesus told the people there needs to be repentance, a change of direction, a turning around, a turning to God, a turning from the uh, transient things of life that are passing away, and a call to a walk, a relationship, a fellowship with God. God. My friends, what would your life be like if you sought a deeper walk with God and didn't rest until you found that treasure? What would happen if you sought, to the exclusion of everything else, the presence of God and His grace in your life? What would be different? How would you be different? What would be, what impact would you have? And so he witnessed to those who would be in that synagogue concerning his person, his work, and his power, what he would achieve. But I want to say something else to you that many of us omit or we miss at times because we want a deeper walk with God, a greater filling of his spirit. Well, my friends, the author of the scriptures is the Spirit of God because holy men wrote of old as they were moved by the Spirit of God. And so when you go into the presence of God and you open the word and you ask God to speak to you by his word, it is the Spirit that ministers to you truth. And what he was saying to those people, the Spirit of God was also witnessing by the very scriptures that that the Lord Jesus was reading. And he said to them, the anointing was to preach good news to the poor. And there were people who were captives of Satan, demon-possessed, palsied, dumb, deaf, blind. People who were captive to illnesses and and, and diseases and uh, some who needed a change of character like Zacchaeus the tax collector or chief tax collector and Matthew who received the call to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and his life was changed and he held the feast to all the other tax collectors uh, only to draw criticism from the Pharisees. But what we see is that the Lord Jesus Christ is interested in changing lives. My friend, if you were to end your life Or if your life was the same a year from now, two years from now. In fact, if your life is pretty much the same as it was a year before, or two or three years before, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you looking for? 
Lord Jesus testifies of himself in the power of the Spirit and he uses the very sword of God, the Word of God, and tells the people what his purpose is. The Spirit of God gives a witness by the Word of God. Good news, deliverance, sight, freedom from oppression. And so we are told, for example, before John was uh, incarcerated, in, and you'll find this in the, uh, I think it's the first chapter of the Gospel of John. In fact, we can, we can go to it, uh, if memory serves me correctly. But before John was imprisoned, we find that he saw the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, let's, let's do that. Let's go to, to uh, John chapter 4. And uh, at that time, uh, the crowd pressed upon him. Uh, I'm sorry, I think it's John chapter 5. Not John, Luke chapter 5. My apologies. But in Luke chapter 5, uh, the people came, the crowds came and pressed upon him. Now remember, earlier, I think in John's testimony, uh, when John the Baptist pointed out that there is the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world, Andrew was curious. Two of the disciples of John went after the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus asked him, what are you seeking? And uh, they said to him, you know, where do you live? And he said, come and see. And they spent that entire day with him. And then Andrew left, I think, around the 10th hour of the day, which would be late in the evening. And he found Peter. And he said to Peter, we found the Messiah. And he took him to the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus, having seen Peter, called him, you know, of course, uh, that he would be the rock upon which he would build his church. So we see that Peter had an encounter with the Lord Jesus. He obviously knew of him through his Galilean ministry because our Lord Jesus, after his baptism, went into Galilee. So they had been hearing his teachings. They had been seeing signs. So it was not the first time that Peter uh, had heard of the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, certainly had met him. And we are told later on in, in his Galilean ministry that he went into Peter's a house and healed his mother of a fever. So they saw the works of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in Luke's gospel, you ask yourself, well, what does it take for God to reach a man? What did it take to convince Peter once and for all that he needed to give up, turn from the transient empty things that he had made a part of his life. In this case, he was a fisherman and this was his chief trade. But God had a greater purpose for this man. And so we are told that the, the crowds pressed on him just to hear the word of God. And he was, as he was standing by the lake Gennesaret, that's when he saw the ships and, uh, and the fishermen that were there and getting into one of the ships, which was uh, Simon Peter's, he asked him to draw out a little from the land. And then he sat down and taught the people. So here is Peter having another encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. But like many of us, what does he do? He remains between two opinions. 
you know, like many of us, we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We've given our, 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 our hearts to him. You know, we've accepted him, to use the, the vernacular. We've accepted him as our Lord and Savior. But what does that really mean? What does it really mean to you? And has that acceptance changed you? And if it hasn't, then it was a really an empty acceptance. It had no meaning, no purpose. And so like Peter, we, we remain fixed between two worlds. Not coming out of the world that we uh, are familiar with. And certainly not going all the way on the other side to walk with God. We've not yielded fully. And so when the Lord Jesus got through with his ministry, as you probably are well familiar, or you could take the time to go back to Luke chapter 5. But when he was finished speaking, he said to Simon, draw out into the deep water and let down your nets. Now, this is rather interesting because (laughs) we want more of God's presence. We want the presence of God as our portion. We want to know that we're walking with God. But what do we do? Well, when we receive a command to seek him with all our hearts, we go half-hearted. And sometimes, as is the case with Peter, God, the Son, wanted to use his resources, his boat. And that privilege is ours to allow our resources to be used of God for the benefit of others. In fact, we are told in, in, in uh, I believe it's in Ephesians chapter 5 and, and verse 1, that uh, uh, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and he says, Be ye therefore imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, even as Christ loved us and delivered himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet aroma. His objective was to live and give his life, lay it down for the good pleasure of the Father. And we are the beneficiaries of that good pleasure. And if we are filled with the Spirit of God, it will move us to seek to live our daily lives for God's pleasure. But someone has to benefit. Who is the beneficiary of your obedience to God? We are the beneficiaries of our Lord Jesus Christ laying down his life as an aroma to God. And Paul challenges, for example, the Roman Christians to present themselves, their bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And this is our reasonable service, a living sacrifice. This is what God wants. And many of us hesitate like Peter. And Jesus wanted his boat. He wanted his nets. And he made the request of this seasoned fisherman. Now, let's, let's just talk briefly about the ways of God, because it doesn't make sense We are afraid of yielding everything because we are afraid what God may call us to do. So we we remain between two worlds. We are no good to the uh, pagan world. And we are of little value to the Christian world. 
because we keep one foot in the world, not wanting to yield our resources, ourselves, our gifts, our abilities for the increase of the kingdom of God, for the blessing and benefit of others, for the glory of God. And so Peter, yielding his net, (laughs) took in a great draft of fish. And we are told that their nets broke. So they had to call to their partners who were in the other ship to come and help and fill, and the the, the catch of fish filled both ships. And they were sinking. So God's ways are not our ways. He calls us into a deeper fellowship with himself. He calls us to relinquish, not necessarily sell your goods, but to relinquish the hold the heart clutchings, okay? We don't want to give up what we have. We don't want to yield it. So we hold on to it. And he would have us to go into deep waters. You know, I thought it was so interesting. He took him, that is Peter, out into deep waters when at that time there were no fish. And God may call you to do something extraordinarily different. You may be led of God's spirit and by his word or some promise to pray along a certain vein or to take a step of faith in some ministry that you're being called to. And you may conclude to yourself, I'm not equipped. But you may be clear that you have been called of God into deep waters. And he he was told to let his net Let the nets down. And the point of obedience might not make sense. But the results were well worth it. And I want to say this about Peter. And this is my word of exhortation to you. At that moment, with Christ in the ship, Peter out in deep waters, in the, if you will, presence of the Son of God is where something extraordinary happened. He saw himself. His eyes were opened. And my friend, herein lies the key. When we pursue God with a whole heart, with our whole heart, with all our hearts, when we desire his presence power and grace in our lives to change us. Forget about changing the world around you. Let's start with you. Let's start with me. When we seek him with all our hearts and wait upon him to open our eyes, once opened, life will never be the same again. Peter's eyes were opened and he saw himself. He said, depart from me for I am a sinful man. And many of us, unfortunately, do not see ourselves as we are in God's presence. We don't see ourselves as God sees us. And yet, as is the case in the Old Testament, he wants to change us. He did so with Noah. He did so with Abraham. He did so with Isaac, 
Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Josiah. He turned these men around. He changed their lives. They saw themselves and they saw the grandeur of the God that they had placed their faith in. And now that Peter saw himself, Jesus could say, or the the Spirit of God gave witness that they were astonished. And all of those that were with them at the hall of the fish that they drew in. And Jesus now calls him. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Fear not, from this point forward you shall be catching men. And so too the sons of Zebedee, James and John. And having run the ships on shore, leaving all, they followed him. There needs to be a personal encounter with God. I'm not suggesting that there needs to be something second, a second event apart from uh, uh, the new birth. No. But like any relationship of significance, there needs to be a commitment to know the living God, a commitment, a renewable daily commitment, a purposing in one's heart, I want to remind you, my friends, we look at Daniel, for example, and we read in the first chapter how he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. But when we read the latter chapters of Second Chronicles, the Spirit of God gives us witness that when Nebuchadnezzar came into the land, it was because there was no remedy. They all, the entire nation, and especially the, 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 the kingdom of uh, the southern kingdom, Judah and Benjamin, had wholly given themselves to uh, idol worship, Baal worship. Daniel was in that mix that got carried away in the first group uh, that Nebuchadnezzar took to Babylon. So when Daniel arrived in Babylon, his experience was he saw old men and women, boys and girls, princes, virgins, killed, taken as slaves, slaughtered, no one to bury them. He was an eyewitness of what Nebuchadnezzar did. And he recognized that he was part of that failure. But now that he was a captive, he purposed in his heart, no more. I am not going to defile myself. And the point I'm making here, the appeal I'm making to you is like Daniel. When you and I look back at our lives and see that we have half-heartedly sought after God, This is the time, while there's yet time, to purpose in our hearts, to seek him with all our hearts, to know the blessedness of that fellowship. It has nothing to do with material blessings, my friend. It has nothing to do with health blessings. Many times God allows trial to drive us to himself, and I'm appealing to you. Don't wait for the trial. Seek him with the whole heart, and I... I, I end with this as, as, as we quiet our hearts, as it were, beside still waters. I repeat the words that the seer said to King Asa. 
I believe it's in Second uh, Chronicles uh, 14, if, if memory serves me correctly, but you can do the search yourself. But he says, the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro throughout the whole earth. God is looking for people. He's looking for men and women, boys and girls, who are looking to him in singleness of heart so that he can show himself strong on their behalf. He's not going to do it with everyone. He's only going to do it with those whose hearts and minds are looking singly to him to do a work in their lives, to change them. And as we go into his presence, as we quiet our hearts, (laughs) beside still waters, in God's presence, Let our appeal be, Lord, change me. Help me to walk with you. Give me the grace to hold your hand, to touch the hand of the one who governs the universe. Make my life a blessing, a benefit to those around me, that I might live for your pleasure. Oh, that we might live for God's pleasure. To consciously wake in the morning, purposing, afresh again to live for his pleasure. Oh, my friends, that is my prayer for you and for me today as we quiet ourselves beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the quiet moment in the stillness of God's presence to receive guidance, light, and grace to live by faith. I hope you've been helped and encouraged to press on living for the glory of God. It has been a pleasure and a privilege to connect with you on this podcast. To stay connected, please follow Christian Javois on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on the next podcast of Beside Still Waters.